Matthew, Matthew 24, 34 through 40. Very, I say unto you, this generation shall not pass till all these things be fulfilled. Heaven and earth shall pass away, but not my words shall not pass away. Excuse me, but my words shall not pass away. Verse 36. But of that day and hour knoweth no man, no, not the angels of heaven, but my father only. But as the days of Noe were, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. Verse 38. For as in the days that were before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving, merit, giving in marriage until the day that Noe entered into the ark. And knew not until the flood came and took them all away. So shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. Verse 40. Then shall two be in the field. The one shall be taken and the other left. May the Lord add a blessing to the readers, the hearers, and doers of his word. Amen. Amen. Let us bow. Go to our Heavenly Father in prayer. Our Father and our God, which are in heaven. Heavenly Father, we come with our head bowed to the earth, with thanksgiving in our heart, thanking you for so many blessings you have blessed us with. We thank thee, Heavenly Father, for waking us up this morning with a reasonable portion of our health and our strength and closing our right mind. We thank thee, Heavenly Father, for giving us this privilege to assemble together and to witness you in spirit and in truth. We thank thee, Heavenly Father, for blessing us with food, clothes, shelter, transportation, financial means, and jobs. Most of all, Heavenly Father, we thank you for your love, your mercy, your grace, your Son, and our Savior, Jesus Christ, who freely left his home in glory came to earth, lived, died, and were buried, and rose again on the third day, according to the scripture. We thank thee, Heavenly Father, for the blood that you shed, that he purchased the church that we are a member of. We thank thee, Heavenly Father, for your word, which is our guideline from earth to glory. We thank thee, Heavenly Father, for the Holy Spirit, which is the proof and our comfort. We thank thee, Heavenly Father, for the one that's here, and we pray, Heavenly Father, for the one that had the desire to be here, but for some reason wasn't able to be. We pray, Heavenly Father, for every church door open and every person proclaiming your word this morning, Heavenly Father. We also pray, Heavenly Father, for the churches that are having difficult time at this time. We just pray, Heavenly Father, you would look down and bless them with the thing you know they stand in need of according to your will. We also pray, Heavenly Father, that your will will be done here on earth 
as it is done in heaven. We pray, Heavenly Father, for the one that's working on the front line. We just pray, Heavenly Father, you will continue keeping them safe from any hurt, harm, or danger. We also pray, Heavenly Father, for the sick and the shut-in all over the world. We just pray, Heavenly Father, you will look down on them and bless them with the things you know they stand in need of according to your will. We also pray, Heavenly Father, for the ones that's traveling. We pray, Heavenly Father, they'll get to and from their destination safe from any hurt, harm, or danger coming to them. And we pray, Heavenly Father, for the grieved family all over the world. We just pray, Heavenly Father, you will look down, comfort those family, and strengthen them, Heavenly Father, in the way that only you know how. We also pray, Heavenly Father, for the ones that's walking in darkness. We pray, Heavenly Father, they'll see the light and come to the light before it's everlasting too late. We also pray, Heavenly Father, when we think, say, or do anything contrary to your word, we pray, Heavenly Father, you will forgive us and won't hold it against us at the judgment bar. And we pray, Heavenly Father, you will continue strengthening us where we are weak and build us up, Heavenly Father, where we are torn down. We also pray, Heavenly Father, that we are learn to love each other more and more each day. And we just pray, Heavenly Father, we will become better Christians today than we were yesterday. We also pray, Heavenly Father, a special prayer for Brother Cove Heaven, he come deliver us the bread of life. We just pray, Heavenly Father, we'll listen, though what we'll listen toward eternity, because they will be eternal matters, he will be delivering unto us. And not only just listeners and hearers of your word, Heavenly Father, but doers of your word. And Heavenly Father, in the things we learn, we just pray we'll go and teach others and tell others what they must do to be saved. We pray, Heavenly Father, that this work of service will be done decent and in order. And we also pray, Heavenly Father, it will be pleasing and acceptable in your sight. And Heavenly Father, when we don't come to the end of our journey, said our last prayer and taken our last breath. We just pray, Heavenly Father, we'll hear those wonderful words. Well done, thy good and faithful servant. Come on in, get your mansion, your robe, and your crown. All these blessings we ask in your Son and our Savior, Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Please turn to page 959 in your faith and praise books. Once again, that's page 959 in your faith and praise books. Just a little talk with Jesus. Once again, that's page 959 in your faith and praise books. Father, let us sing. I once was lost in sin, but Jesus took me in, and then a little light from heaven filled my soul, and it bathed my heart in love, and wrote my name above, and just a little talk with Jesus made me whole. Now let us have a little talk with Jesus, let us tell him all about our troubles, he will hear our faintest 
And he will answer by and by. Now when you feel a little prayerful yearning, as your heart to heaven is turning, you will find a little talk with Jesus and makes it right, and makes it right. And sometimes my path seems drear without a ray of cheer. And then a cloud of doubt may hide the light of day. And the mist of sin may rise and hide the sorry skies, but just a little talk with Jesus clears away. Now let us have a little talk with Jesus. Let us tell him all about our troubles. He will hear our faintest. And he will answer by and by. Now when you feel a little prayerful yearning, as your heart to heaven is turning, you will find a little talk with Jesus makes it right, and makes it right. I may have doubts and fears, my eyes be filled with tears, but Jesus is a friend who watches day and night. And I go to him in prayer, and he knows my every care. And just a little talk with Jesus makes it right. Now let us have a little talk with Jesus. Let us tell him all about our troubles. He will hear our faintest. And he will answer by and by. Now when you feel a little prayerful yearning, as your heart to heaven is turning, you will find a little talk with Jesus makes it right and makes it Now let us have a little talk with Jesus. Let us tell him all about our troubles. He will hear our faintest. And he will answer by and by. Now when you feel a little prayerful yearning, as your heart to heaven is turning, you will find a little talk with Jesus makes it right. It makes it right. Man. Christian to page 973 in your faith and praise books. Everybody will be happy over there. Once again, that's page 973 in your faith and praise books. Page 973. Revolve, let us turn. There's a happy land of promise over in the great beyond, where the saved of earth shall soon the glory share. Where the souls of men shall enter and live on forevermore. Everybody will be happy over there. And every, everybody will be happy, will be happy over. And we will, we will shout and sing his praise. Everybody will be happy over there. There the ransom of all ages will be singing round the throne. In that land where no one ever knows a care. And the Christians of all nations will join in the triumph song. Everybody will be happy over there. And every, everybody will be happy 
us and who kept us by his grace and who brought us to that land so bright and fair. We will praise his name forever as we look upon his face. Everybody will be happy over there. And every, everybody will be happy, will be happy over. And we will, we will shout and sing His praise. Everybody will be happy over there. And every, everybody will be Happy will be happy over there, and we will, we will shout and sing his praise. Everybody will be happy over there. Amen. We turn to page 613 in your faith and praise books. Once again, that's page 613 in your faith and praise books. Hold to God's unchanging hand. Once again, that's page 613 in your faith and praise books. Follow the song. Time is filled with swift transition. Not of earth unmoved can stand. Build your on things eternal. And you gotta hold to God's unchanging hand. Oh, church, you gotta hold to his hand, to God's unchanging. Oh, church, you gotta hold to his hand, to God's unchanging. Hey, why don't you build your something's eternal? And you gotta hold to God's unchanging hand. And trust in him who will not leave you. Whatsoever is may bring, if our earthly friends forsaken, still more closely to him cling. Oh, church, you got to hold to his hand, to God's unchanging. Oh, church, you got to hold to his hand, to God's unchanging. And why don't you build your something's eternal? And you got to hold to God's unchanging. And now when your journey is completed, if to God you have been true, fair and bright the home in glory, your in rapture so will view. Oh, church, you got to hold to his hand, to God's unchanging. Oh, church, you got to hold to his hand, to God's unchanging. And why don't you build your something's eternal? And you got to hold to God's unchanging. Man. Please turn to page 
please turn to page 23 in your faith and praise books. Once again, it's page 23 in your faith and praise books. Our God, he is alive. Once again, it's page 23 in your faith and praise books. There is beyond the azure blue a God concealed from human sight and needs in the skies with heavenly hue and frame the worlds with his great mind. There is a God, he is alive. In him we live and we survive. From dust our God created man. He is our God, the great I am. There was a long, long time ago. the prophets heard. He is the God that we should know, who speaks from his inspired word. There is a God, he is alive, in him we live and we survive. From dust our God created man. He is our God, the great I am. Secure is life from mortal mind. God holds the germ within his hand. Though men may search, they cannot find. For God alone does understand. There is a God, He is alive. In Him we live and we survive. From dust our God created man. He is our God. set men free, and evermore with him could live. There is a God, he is alive, in him we live, and we survive. From dust our God, created man, he is our God, the great I am. There is a God. There is a God. 
Amen. From dust our God uh, created man. He is our God. He is the great, the great I am. Uh, surely, what a song that has been crafted around a scriptural point. As Moses asked of the Lord when he was to go down to Egypt and tell Pharaoh to let his people go. Moses asked the question, who shall I say sent me? And God told him to tell him, I am, I am. And surely this song that is designed around that scriptural phrase rings true even till today. He was the great I am then, and he is the great I am now. I want to call your attention very quickly to our scripture text in the, in the book of Matthew. As we continue to build upon our theme this year that addresses the ark, the tabernacle, uh, the temple, and the church. Matthew helps us to understand some of the typology, if you will, that is the purpose and the introduction of the ark into the life of man, the world of humanity. By the master teacher, that is Christ, sharing with us an imagery of the, the time of judgment. Uh, surely we must know by now that Judgment Day is coming. We will one day enter into the end of this life where God says that it will come to an end and man will die, that is, in our physical form, and after this, the judgment. Hebrews 9 and 27 helps us to understand that there is the end of life, and that is considered to be the judgment. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, Paul would say that it will be as the twinkling of an eye. In other words, there should be a clear understanding that when we stand before the judgment bar of God, to give an answer of the things that we've done in this body, whether it be good or whether it be evil, is not in the literal sense where there will be big, long lines of millions of people waiting in line to be judged. It's just an illustration. It's figurative language. Our lives are being judged every day that you live. Every day that we live, we are being judged by the word of God. John chapter 12 and verse number 48, Jesus makes it very clear. He that rejecteth me and receiveth not my word has one that judgeth him. For the words that I have spoken, the same, are going to judge you in the last day. And that last day being the day of judgment. So if we have not lived according to God's word all of this time, we can expect that God has already made it clear. 
that we are being judged on a day-to-day -day basis. God knows those that are his. In 2 Peter chapter 4, Peter would make it even more pointed as he looks toward one of the, uh, the constructs of righteousness, which is the church. Because in 1 Peter 4, I believe I said 2 Peter, I meant 1 Peter 4, we find that Peter would say to, uh, if any, uh, to us, if any man suffer as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God on this behalf. But Peter would go on and he would also write that judgment begins first at the house of God. And if it first begin at us or with us, then where shall the sinner or the ungodly appear? You see, those who are outside the church, those who are outside the temple, those who are outside the tabernacle, those who are outside the ark, already judged, and they're judged according to God's word. And so when we come back to our scripture reading this morning, as we look at Matthew, we must be very clear that uh, the master teacher is helping us understand the purpose of the introduction of this construct called the ark. It is not simply a rescue vessel. Amen. I, I, I know that it can easily be thought about in that way that um, the ark was rescuing Noah and the other seven souls. We watch a lot of TV and we come up with those thoughts when it comes to spiritual matters. But God was not rescuing Noah and the other seven souls. Because if God wanted them to die, there was nothing that could save them no matter where they were located. And I think the world needs to understand that. I think every soul, uh, Christian or not, needs to understand that no one's going to escape judgment. We all will be judged according to God's will. It doesn't matter where you are or how many bunkers you've built in so many different states and countries. No one will be able to hide from God. The Ark of the Covenant is more than what someone would associate to be a rescue vessel. It is not rescuing, but it is containing. And it, what is, and it contains what God desires to save. God desires to save within this vessel called the ark. And he's placed this vessel in such a strategic position where his judgment upon the face of the earth, although his judgment is all sweeping. I want you to see this here. The Bible is very clear about it. No living, breathing human being or animal was saved outside of the ark. Nothing with the breath of life was saved outside the ark. God's judgment was placed upon the earth, the antediluvian period, the time before the flood. He 
placed it upon the earth, that he would judge the earth accordingly. We read Genesis chapter 6. We'll touch a little bit on that this morning again. But he placed it upon the earth, his judgment, and his judgment was decreed, and his judgment went forth, that it would rain for 40 days and for 40 nights. And I want you to see this here. It was all over the earth. There was, there was no place to run and hide. The earth was covered for 40 days and for 40 nights. It rained. The water rose. The oceans, the seas, the lakes, the ponds, the rivers rose. As the firmament above us, the clouds poured forth rain. There was no hiding from God. God knew those that were his. And those that were his were in the ark. They were not outside the ark. They were in the ark. And, 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 and when God's judgment comes forward, then it comes forth, then you need to see that the, the, the far-reaching and the all-encompassing judgment of God does what he has declared for it to do. It will rain for 40 days and 40 nights. But those that were contained within the ark would be spared from the judgment. And so it is in each generation where God has created a construct whereby those who looked to and had faith in those constructs where God's covenant dwell would be saved within their generation. The last being the Christian dispensation, the last generation of God's spiritual construct being the church is the only way that the soul that God desires to save will be contained. Paul says, I know in whom I have believed. That is an issue of faith. I know in whom I have believed. And I know that he is able to keep that To keep that is about containment, to preserve. He's able to keep that, which I have committed. It's about the relationship that has been built. To keep that, which I've committed unto him. What did he commit? He committed his soul to God. To keep that, which I've committed unto him against that day. What day? The day of judgment. Paul said, I had faith that when I committed my soul to God, that he's able to preserve, to contain my soul, that when the judgment comes, I will be saved. The ark was such a construct. And Jesus lets us know in Matthew, its purpose, its power, its ability to preserve the souls that God wanted to save. That's why God says, 
heaven and earth shall pass away, but my word shall never pass away. That's why he says in Matthew 16 and 18, upon this rock I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Because God is letting us know that no matter what comes, even his own judgment, if you are in the church and you have lived faithful unto death, the church is able to preserve your soul. It's able to preserve. He built it that way. It was constructed that way to save the soul. In Matthew chapter 24, as was read in our hearing, there's a lot of conversation about when is the end of the world coming? Everybody wants to know when the end of the world is coming. As if we don't have enough to worry about just trying to live from day to day. What about when the end of the world is coming? How shall we know the end is near? What, you think you're going to get it right, right before the moment? Well, if I knew the end of the world was coming on Friday, you know. That's not how it works. That's not how it works. Your faith is not a moment in time. Your faith is cross across time. Your faith is built, is, is, as Peter says, and he makes it very clear, as newborn babes desiring the sincere milk of the word that you may grow thereby, your faith is shown by how you live your life over time. Not just a moment in time. Now God knows those that he is. I'm not here to, 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 to declare God's judgment. God will have mercy on whom he will have mercy. But I do see that in the biblical text, James makes it very clear when James says, show me thy faith without works, and I'll show you my faith by works. That tells me that behavior and obedience is part of the salvation process. I mean, and that happens over time. Amen. One begins to mature and to grow. Into a life of a Christian. Jesus says to us, barely in verse number 34, Matthew 24, in verse number 34, they're asking him, when shall the end of the world come? When shall the end of the world come? Tell us, tell us this and tell us that. And Jesus says, truly, truly, he says, verily, the word verily, that means truly. I say unto you, this generation shall not pass. Do all these things be fulfilled? And he was talking about how there would be the, the wars and rumors of wars and, 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 and how the, the world would change and so on and so forth. The pestilence and all of this, the, all these things shall be fulfilled. You'll hear about wars and nations coming against each other. He says, don't be alarmed. These things must come. But nevertheless, he goes on and says, truly, I say unto you, this generation shall not pass till all these things be fulfilled. Heaven and earth shall pass away. But my words shall never pass away. In other words, you so con- you're so con- uh, concerned about when, when, when the world is coming to an end, you're not focused on what's really important. My word is what's important. My covenant is what's important. Because if you are obedient to my word, and if you're, and, and being that the word is, 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 is uh, uh, if you will, gives us the comprehensive idea of the covenant itself, if you are in fact following after the covenant and you're doing what I have commanded to be done, you don't need to worry about the end of the world. Death has no sting for the Christian. Death is a deliverance for us. We go home to glory. Paul makes it very clear. Paul says, look, it's better for me to be with Christ, but for you it's beneficial that I'm still here. 
But Paul understood that if he was out, if he had left, if, if, if he being, uh, if, if the case of God had found him worthy, it would be better for him personally that he was with Christ. It's always better to be with the Lord than without him. Here we are still fighting this fight of faith, struggling with the flesh and the issues of our bodies. Every day we wake up, we got a new struggle to deal with. Amen. Sometimes that struggle is internal, sometimes that struggle is external. But whether it's internal or external, we got a struggle to deal with. Every day we wake up, we're struggling with something. Fighting this good fight of faith. Trying to hold on to what it is that we know to be the truth, which is God's word. Because the devil's going to make sure that he places an obstacle in front of each of us as we strive to live this Christian life. But Jesus says, look, you're thinking about when heaven and earth is going to pass away, but that's not your focus. The focus should be my word. Because my word will never pass away. Verse number 36, but of that day, in case there are those of you who are still following Nostradamus, (laughs) And his predictions about the end of the world? I don't know how long Nostradamus has been dead and people still trying to follow. Anyway. The, he says, but of that day and I wasn't knowing no man. Well, that should be, look, that's not almost it, right up to it, just about it. I think that's it. So you can throw your book of philosophy out about when the end of the world is coming. You can take your, 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 your symbols of the Aztec Indians and how they were so scientifically advanced during their age where they could look at the stars and the suns and the moons and, and determine when the end of the earth was coming because they were informed by some alien life force that came down and gave them some kind of power to determine the ends and the beginnings of the world. You better let that stuff go and start thinking about God's word. That's what people do. We're caught up in so much mysticism. We miss that which is most simple, which is God's word. I remember Paul said something to the church at Corinth that helps us to understand the significance of what it is that we're supposed to understand when it comes to our conscience, when it comes to us obeying the gospel. When Peter says to us, it's not the putting away of the filth of the flesh, but it's an answer of a good conscience toward God. Let me tell you something. To have a good conscience towards God means that you're what you're doing is you're purging your mind, your spiritual heart of all of the worldly belief systems that have nothing to do with God's word. And you're refilling it with God's truth so that you can discern the difference between truth and error, what is right and what is wrong. Paul says to the church of Corinth, the second Corinthians one and about verse number 12, he says to us, for our rejoicing is this, the testimony of our conscience that in simplicity and godly sincerity, not with fleshly wisdom, Lord have mercy, not with fleshly wisdom. I don't care what Nostradamus says. That's not the wisdom I'm focused on. I'm focused on God's wisdom. He says, not with fleshly wisdom, but by the grace of God, we have had our conversation in this world. And the word, word rather, conversation there is very broad and it is sweeping. Because not only is it talking about those things that we verbally articulate from our lips, the idea of conversation, because those things need to be couched with truth and filled with righteousness. But he's talking about how we lived in this place. Our conversation. 
goes beyond just what we say. It encompasses what we do, how we live, how we obey God's word. Nevertheless, he says, we have had our conversations in the world and more abundantly uh, to you word. Paul lets us know that there's a life the apostles, the disciples must live. And so being that we are descendants of that Christian belief system, being in Christ, there is also incumbent upon us to live accordingly where our conversation is no longer a manifestation of the wisdom of fleshly wisdom of the world, but our conversation is, in fact, the manifestation of what we believe about the truth of God's word. And so we are now obeying it accordingly and living it justly so that the world will see the light that is in Christ Jesus and to come out of darkness. The ark was to let the people know that no matter what they were doing at the time, God was still watching. God still sees what goes on here in the world. He is not an absentee God, as theologians would like you to believe. God sees his creation. As a matter of fact, Paul made it very clear In Acts chapter 17, when the Athenians who believed in many gods, polytheism, Paul made it very clear when he said to them, it is in God that we live, that we move, and that we have our very being. God sees us. He knows what is happening upon the face of the earth. And being that is the case, he knows those that are his. Jesus goes on and he says in verse number 36, in Matthew 24 and 36, But at that day and hour knoweth no man, no, not the angels in heaven, but my Father only. Only God the Father knows when he's going to send Jesus back to uh, receive the church, his bride, so that he may take those who are faithful and Uh, in the church uh, back to heaven's glory. He gets to our text and our immediate subject which deals with Noah and the ark of the covenant. But of that day, yes, but verse number 37, but as the days of Noah. So he gives the simile. But as the days of Noah, People had forgotten about God, didn't care about God. God is absent. There's no concern about obeying God. There's no concern about uh, any covenant agreement with the Lord. There's There's no concern about that. As the days of Noah. He lets us know that that the time of the end, the end time that will come upon man is similar in that it has some commonality in the the time that was being exemplified in the Old Testament under the days or during the days of the antediluvian period, during the days of Noah. This is the Lord. This is the master teacher. 
taking something that had happened thousands of years ago under Noah, and he is now looking not only at the present time, delivering it to the disciples and those who are around him as he taught. He was letting them know that there are some things aforetime, written aforetime, Romans 15 and 4, that are written for our learning, that we through patience and comfort of the scripture might have hope. And the hope that Noah's story gives me is that God is going to save those that are his. No matter what his judgment determines, those who are his will be contained and will be saved. And that's why you better know which boat floats. You better know which boat floats. Because not every boat floated. And not every church is going to be saved. But those that are his. But God the Father is the only one that knows. When he's going to send back, because in the days of Noah, look what he says in verse 37. But as the days of Noah were, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. Now remember, this is not about him coming to die on the cross. This is about the coming to save the church. Individuals are looking at the, 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 the time of the end time when he says, remember, when is the judgment? When is the judgment? The judgment wasn't when Jesus came and died on the cross. The judgment is when, if you will, when they reject the gospel and they reject the word of God. And if you will, if you reject the gospel and the word of God, when God, when father, the father sends back Jesus to receive the church, the kingdom, the glorious church, his body, when God sends him back to receive those spirit, that spirit spiritual construct by those descriptions the church the kingdom his body amen the house of God when he comes back to receive that then those who have not obeyed the gospel shall be judged according to the word of God it shall come in a moment in the blinking of an eye Jesus goes on in verse number 38 for as in the days that were before the flood, this is the antediluvian period. This is before the 40 days and the 40 nights. What is happening? What is happening here? Because the ark is being prepared. The ark is already being constructed in that God has spoken to Noah. Noah has found grace in the eyes of God. if you will, develop his covenant uh, uh, with Noah. And being that he's developed his covenant with Noah, uh, uh, God has now said, Noah, you can enter uh, and prepare you and your family to enter into the ark. In Genesis chapter 6 and verse number 14, remember from the last sermon, God says, make thee an ark of gopher wood, rooms that uh, shalt thou make in the ark, and shall pitch it within and without with pitch. And, and this is the fashion which thou shalt make 
uh, uh, make it of the length of the ark shall be 300 and cu- 300 cubits and the breadth of it 50 cubits and the height of it 30 cubits a window shalt thou make to uh, make to the ark and in a cubit shalt thou finish it above and the door of the ark shall uh, 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 shalt thou set in the side thereof with lower second and third stories shalt thou make it and behold even I I do bring a flood of waters upon the earth so God that is in the form of Christ is sharing with us I'm telling you what was happening before the flood came before Noah entered into the ark people had forgotten about God no concern about what truth is no concern about righteousness no concern about what's just no concern about the church things have become a racket amen a business as opposed a place to save souls, to teach the truth, to help people, if you will, understand what it means to be trans, uh, translated into the marvelous light and out of the darkness. But nevertheless, in Genesis, uh, uh, Moses would go on in his writings. He says, look, this is what God showed me. And behold, even I, I do bring the fl- a flood of waters upon the earth to destroy all flesh. All flesh will be destroyed that's not in the ark. And so it is when we talk about the church and the salvation that is in Christ Jesus. We need to be as uh, just as definitive and as absolute as it was in the days of Noah when God said that no one outside the church is going to be saved. <laughs> no one outside the church is going to be saved. Those that have not committed themselves to the word of God and they're outside the Lord's church, they're going to be saved. But those that are in the church, they will be saved because they're in the ark. They're in the the agreement with the covenant and being in the ark and being in agreement with the covenant. They have God with them and they will be saved. God goes on. Jesus goes on. Uh, as he writes and says, for as in those days, in the days were before the flood, they were eating and drinking and marrying and giving in marriage until the day that Noah entered into the ark. Up to the very moment of Noah entering into the ark, the world was doing their thing, whatever that thing was. They were doing it. And, 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 and there was no concern for God. There was no concern for his truth. There was no concern for, 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 for what would save the soul. But there was a lot of concern for the world. The things that were outside the ark. Outside the covenant. Marrying, making marriage. Partying and rejoicing. But no one had any time for the God. No time for the Lord. In Genesis chapter 6, we read the story once again as we go back. If if we drop down to Genesis chapter 6 and you drop down, if you will, to verse uh, number 17. And behold, I, even I, do bring a flood of waters upon the earth to destroy all flesh, wherein is the breath of life from under heaven. And everything that is in the earth shall die. 
There are religions that wanted to teach that the church is not the place of salvation, but in fact, you can just have God in your heart and you'll be saved. Well, if God in your heart and you being saved keeps you outside of the church, then there's a contradiction somewhere. Because just saying that there's a God is not enough. Lord have mercy. It's not enough. To say I'm spiritual is not enough. God says the manifestation of your conversation that verbally drips from your lips, it sounds spiritual, but if it's not coupled with obedient faith, then what good is it? Why calleth me Lord, Lord, and doeth not the things that I say? You see, that, that's where the challenge is. We got a whole lot of spiritual people dripping spiritual words from their lips, but no obedience to God's word. As it was before Noah entered into the ark. So it is in the times of the church, the dispensation that is called the Christian dispensation. People are living their lives like it's golden. But no concern for God. No concern for truth. Even to the extent where we've created our own type of worship services. Lord have mercy. Yeah, I said it. Somehow in this covenant agreement, we began to think that the church was about us and not about God. In Genesis chapter 6, once again, going back to the time before he entered into the ark. Dropping down to verse number 18 in Genesis 6 and 18. God says something to Noah that we should remain, that should ever remain as a part of our thought process as we look at this theme for the rest of this remaining year. God bless us to live. In Genesis chapter 6 and verse number 18, God says when, 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 when he told Noah that he was going to destroy all the flesh that was upon the first day of the earth where there, wherein was the breath of life and everything that is in the earth shall die. In verse number 18, in Genesis 6 and 18, this was before This was before he entered into the ark. This was before, but with thee, with who? With Noah, he says, but with thee will I establish my covenant. I will establish my covenant with you, Noah. You found grace, favor in my eyes. And I'm going to establish my covenant with you. This ain't no, this isn't a negotiation. God is saying I'm putting forth my covenant because the covenant that God's put forth is the covenant that's able to save. When Paul quotes, if you will, and speaks uh, at the inspiration of the Holy Spirit in Romans chapter 1 and verse number 16 when he says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to all those who believe, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith. For it is written, the just shall live by faith. God is establishing a covenant with people. It's called the gospel. 
And if you obey the gospel, wherein Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15, 1 through 3, wherein we stand and, and what it is he had received. This is the covenant relationship that we have. And the covenant cannot be changed because you want to change it. Oh, it, it, it's inconvenient for me. That is your problem. That is not God's problem. The covenant is the covenant. Well, Lord, you know, I just don't feel like building this ark. Well, you just don't feel like being saved. Because the covenant includes the ark. Don't miss this. The covenant agreement includes the ark. Lord have mercy. Well, I want to build the ark. You don't want to be saved. I want to build it like that. Well, you don't have a choice. The church isn't about us. The church is about God. We're privileged to be a part of it. By obeying the gospel. Look what he says. And by the way, not only does this show the commonality between the ark and the church, as you see here in the illustration that is in the PowerPoint presentation, it, is a, it resembles in many ways what would be called a Venn diagram in that there are connecting points in each one of these different constructs of spirituality, the tabernacle, the temple, the church, and the ark are all, if you will, connected to one common concept, and that is the covenant. You cannot have either of these constructs without the covenant. And that's the problem. Well, I'll take the church, but I don't want the doctrine. You can't have the church without the doctrine. It is part of the covenant. Lord have mercy. Look what he says. And I will establish in verse 18, but with thee will I establish my covenant. And thou shalt come into the ark. You first will have to agree to my covenant. And then you can come into the ark. Lord have mercy. Matthew, Mark, Mark 16, 15 and 16, Matthew chapter 28. But if we use Mark 16 and 15 and 16, the details of the, of the event are more, are more descriptive. In Mark, in Mark 16, 15 and 16, uh, Jesus is saying that Jesus says unto them, when he says, go ye into all the world and preach the gospel, he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. Mark recalls it and says it in this more descriptive way. He said, he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, yes, but he that believeth not shall be damned. You've got to first accept the covenant before you can come into the church. You can't shake people's hands into the church. They've got to obey. They've got to believe the covenant. They have to have faith in the covenant. And not any covenant. But the true covenant. The word of God. That gives the truth. Of who we are as Christians. In 2 Peter chapter 2. Very quickly. In 2 Peter chapter 2, I'm going to start reading from verse number 1, but, I, but, but, my, but the, 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 the on-point scripture is verse number 5. But 2 Peter chapter 1 is where I'm going to, 2 Peter chapter 2 and verse number 1 is where I'm going to begin reading. 
but I want to keep your I want you to keep your mind focused on first Peter. I mean, I'm sorry, second Peter chapter two, verse number five. And so verse number one, second Peter chapter two and verse number one says this. But there were false apostles also among the people. We act like people ain't preaching false doctrine as if God is. is, is <laughs> Wait a minute. But there were false prophets also among the people. Lord have mercy. Even as there shall be false teachers among you. Not only are there false people teaching things that they consider spiritual in general among the world, but he says there are false teachers in the church. Lord have mercy. Yeah, I said it. Got false teachers in the church. All of a sudden the pandemic come, all of a sudden worship changes. Well, we can do online worship. We can, stri- we can stream worship. We, we, <laughs> we need to understand you, you cannot change the covenant. But that's what people have done. This is not new. This stuff is old. Because the devil's made it so. Whenever God wants to destroy his people, he gets them to change the covenant. What did he do with Adam and Eve? He couldn't touch them as long as they stayed with the covenant. And when they stayed with the covenant, see, I'm going all the way back to the beginning with the before, even before the ark, amen. When you go all the way back to the beginning, this is this construct of relationship with God is no different. When God was in the Garden of Eden, look what they're saying. The Garden of Eden is where God was, where the people of God, the creation that he made, they dwelt together, walked together, talked together. God provided everything for them in the ark. It wasn't until they broke his covenant. And he kicked them out of the Garden of Eden. When they were in the Garden of Eden. The devil comes in and the devil says to Eve. Thou shalt not surely die. And when she walked out on that broken covenant. And Adam accompanied her. That's when God came walking. And kicked them both. Out of the. Garden of Eden. In 2 Peter chapter 2, verse number 1. But there were false prophets also among the people, even as there be false teachers among you who privily, secret, concealed, Shall bring in damnable heresies. That's what the devil did. Even denying the Lord that bought them. And bring upon themselves swift destruction. And many shall follow their pernicious ways. By reason of whom the way of truth shall be evil spoken of. The way of truth shall be evil spoken of by those who bring in the damnable heresies, the false teachers, and the false prophets. But many shall follow their pernicious ways, 
Many shall follow after them, but they're following after them to their own destruction. What brings us and makes us who we are as the church, what brought them together to make them who they became, the saved in the ark, what made the children of Israel righteous by building and constructing the tabernacle and eventually the temple, what made them, if you will, all in common with God and having that fellowship and righteous relationship with God is because those who are faithful decided to follow after the covenant. And that's what held the relationship together. As we go on in 2 Peter 2, verse number 3, he says, And through covetousness shall they with feigned words, feigned words, words that don't give life, words that have no substance, with feigned words, they, they make merchandise of you. He goes on and says, whose judgment now of a long time lingereth not and their damnation slumbereth not. For if God spared, here we go, not the angels that sinned, but cast them down to hell and delivered them into chains of darkness to be reserved unto judgment. And I love conjunctions. Because he says, look, based on what I just shared with you, I gave you a spiritual event dealing with the angels in heaven that gave up their first habitation. That included the devil and all his homies. Gave up their first habitation. He says, this is similar. It gives you an idea of the significance of Noah and the ark. And spared not. Or and spared not the old world, but what saved Noah and uh, the um, Noah, the eighth person, a preacher, Lord have mercy, of righteousness, bringing in the flood upon the world of the ungodly. When God destroys the world, and he is going to destroy the world, because Peter lets us know in 2 Peter 3 and 10, but the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night in which the heavens shall pass away with a great noise and the elements it shall be melt uh, shall melt with fervent uh, uh, fervent heat. The earth also and the works that are therein shall be burned up. This place is not going to make it. But in the midst of it all, in the challenging, uh, 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 troublesome waters, uh, if you will, in the turbulent waves that are affecting this world today, there is a ship that is floating, and it is floating because God is in it, and God has protected it, and God has prepared it. And let me tell you something, it is the church. That's why we got to stay with the church. Don't, don't, Don't let the world change who we are. We are meant to change the world, but we don't let the world change who we are. It is the covenant that makes all the difference. Back in Matthew 24, 
verse number 38. Now, in the days they were making merry, and, and, and you can look around the world. You can see it for yourself. Pe- people don't be, seem to be concerned about anything concerning God. They, they're concerned about themselves, but they're not concerned about the Lord. For in the, in, as in the days that were before the flood, they were eating and drinking and marrying and giving in marriage until the day that Noah entered into the ark. No concern. Noah's a preacher of righteousness. Some of us may may not remember, but the Bible teaches us that Noah preached for 120 years. 120 years. Before God closed the door to that ark. 120 years. And, 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 And when the floods came, don't tell me that people didn't get nervous. Because at that time, they realized that what Noah had been preaching is now coming to pass. A preacher of righteousness. That's what Peter called him. And the Bible says is that, 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 that when he accepted God's covenant and, 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 and the covenant including the, uh, the construction and building of the ark and the, if you will, and, and, and let us not forget that uh, uh, with the first thing Noah did when he uh, got out of the ark was make sacrifice unto the Lord. So I can guarantee you that even though, the, stay with me now, stay with me. Even though the world was covered with water and the floods were, if you will, uh, 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 coming from below and falling down from above and they were in that ark. Let me tell you something. I can guarantee you one thing. And if you will, if you understand the, 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 the idea of rightly dividing the word, let me tell you something. Noah found favor. Noah found grace. Noah walked with God. Those are scriptural texts. That's what God said about him. Even though the world was flooded from above and flooded from below, I can guarantee you that Noah did not stop worshiping in the ark. Didn't matter what was going on in the world. He walked with God. And being that he walked with God, he had to continue to do that which was righteous before God. Why? Because it was part of the covenant. It was part of the covenant. If Noah would have rejected what God had agreed for him to agree to, to do, that ark wouldn't have been saved either. No sin is going to enter into heaven. No ungodliness, no unrighteousness is going to enter into heaven. The church will be presented as Ephesians chapter 5 says, as a glorious church without spot, wrinkle, or blemish or any such thing. No sin is going to enter into heaven. So I can guarantee you, based on that, that foundational biblical text, that if it is the case that God saved Noah and Noah's in the ark sinning, there would be a problem with the concept. But Noah walked with God. Noah found favor with God. Noah was a preacher of righteousness and God saved those eight souls no matter what was going on in the world. Because there was a covenant agreement. And I know we can get we can get anxious, right? We can we can get anxious because we we we, we see the things that are 
that are in the world and, and we begin to become concerned that, oh, maybe the world is, this is, a, this, is a, uh, this is the end of the world. The pandemic is here. The pest is going to destroy and kill everybody. Let me tell you something. That's not how God said he's going to destroy the world. Now, when it starts raining fire and, <laughs> amen, and I'm not just talking about in one place of the world. I'm talking about all over the world. And it's raining fire. By the way, to make this very pointed, if you see the fire coming, you didn't make it. (laughs) Amen. Because God takes those that are his, according to Thessalonians, the idea of the rapture, they are taken up before Caught up with Christ. The church is caught up in the air with him. Those who are dead in Christ shall not precede those who are alive. But we shall all be caught up together with him. And there shall we be with him forevermore. If you hear and you see the fire coming, you didn't make it. You didn't make it. So I don't even want to see the fire coming. I just believe by faith that the fire is going to come. Amen. Did the earth get burnt up? I know what the Bible said. Did you see it? I didn't want to see it. I'm with the Lord. Amen. We on our way to heaven. Don't tell me about the earth. (laughs) I want to forever be with the Lord. Jesus goes on in Matthew chapter 24 as I come to a close here. He says that Noah entered the ark, verse number 38, and then he says, and, and, and knew not until the flood came and took them. They didn't, they, didn't, they didn't know until the flood came and took them all away. So shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. I, 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 there shall be two in the field. The one shall be taken and the other left. Right? God tells Noah and his family, enter into the ark. And then God closed the door. And then the rain comes. Lord have mercy. And they who were outside of the ark were doing their thing, the thing that they were always doing. But those who were in the ark had an opportunity to be saved because they accepted God's covenant. In in Hebrews, Uh, Paul writes to the the diaspora, and he says to them in Hebrews chapter eight, and, and I'm, I'm going to read the latter part of this uh, text, and, and I'm going to be done with this text, but we'll pick up on this next time. God bless us to live in Hebrews chapter eight, and drop down, uh, if you will, for, to birth, verse number six in Hebrews chapter eight, and you know what? I'm going to start at verse number five. Hebrews chapter eight, verse number five. I really want to read all of this, but I can't. Hebrews chapter 8, verse number 5. Who served unto the example and shadow of heavenly things, as Moses was admonished of God when he was about to make the tabernacle. For see, saith he, that thou make all things according to the pattern showed to thee 
in the mount. The next time we come together, I want you to see something that's very consistent about each of these spiritual constructs when it comes to the building of them. The, the, the ark was made according to the pattern that God gave. The tabernacle was made according to the pattern that God gave. The temple was made according to the pattern that God gave. The church is made according to the pattern that God gave. And nobody can change the pattern. It's part of the covenant. If you try to change the pattern, you cease to be the church. I don't care what name you put on it. You cease to be the church. Why? Because it's not according to the pattern. He goes on. Verse number six. In Hebrews five and six. But now hath he obtained a more excellent ministry. By how much also he is the mediator of a better covenant. Which was established upon better promises. For if the first covenant had been faultless, then should no place have been sought for the second, for finding fault with them. Now remember, this them is referring to the people, not to the covenant. For finding fault with them, he said, Behold, the days come, said the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel, with the house of Judah. Not according to the covenant that I made with their fathers in the day when I took them by the hand to lead them out of the land of Egypt because they continued not in my covenant and I regarded them not, saith the Lord. For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, saith the Lord. I will put my laws into their mind and write them in their hearts and I will be them to them a God and they shall be to me a people. It's not... The putting away of the filth of the flesh. But it's an answer of a good conscience toward God. When one commits themselves to the watery grave of baptism, they're committing themselves to the covenant. It becomes part of their conscience. I'm going to be better. I'm going to change my life from focusing in on the lust of the flesh and the pride of life. But I'm going to look to those things which be of God, which be of God. I'm going to purge myself from the wickedness of the world and I'm going to fill myself with the righteousness of God. For I know that the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. Through our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. The ark. The ark may be called a rescue boat, but it's much more than that. It was a containment unit, and it was meant to preserve the souls that were in it. And the only way the souls could get in it is that they had to accept the covenant. So when the plan of salvation that people try to say doesn't exist will you tell me why God said I'm going to establish my covenant with thee Noah before he enters into the ark because there's a plan so then faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God Noah build the ark Noah 
I'm going to save the ark. Noah, I'm going to preserve you in the ark. Continue to walk with me. Heaven and earth shall pass away. But this ark is going to make it. This ark is going to make it. Church is going to make it. So then faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Romans 10 and 17. Hebrews 11 and 6. But without faith, it's impossible to please God. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is and that is rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Noah had faith in God. And he moved with haste to build that ark according to the pattern that God gave him to build it. Matthew 6 and 33 says, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. God is able to provide all of our needs. All of our needs. You're not losing anything when you obey the gospel and become a member of the body of Christ, the church of Christ. You're gaining everything. Paul said, I count all these things of the world but dung for the excellency of the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Paul understood the value of being with the Lord and being in the right relationship with God. And so shall we. We should learn the value of that. We repent of our sins. Luke 13, 3 and 5. I tell you, nay, except you repent, you shall all likewise perish. But God doesn't want any of us to perish. God wants us all to be saved. And that's why the church is here. The church is here to contain those who want to be saved. To preserve those who who want to be saved. That's why he says in Acts 17 and 30, God commandeth every man everywhere to repent. 2 Peter 3 and 9. One day with God is like a thousand years, and a thousand years is like one day. But God is not slack concerning his promises, and some men count slackness, wishing none to perish, but that all should come unto repentance. Romans 10 and 9. But the heart man believeth. Romans 10 and 10 also speaks to how the heart is the focal point. That's where our conscience is. That's where we put God's word. We believe unto righteousness that the mouth confession was made unto salvation. What is that confession? I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And by making that great global confession, it puts you in a position where you are ready before God to be placed in the water of grave of baptism. And that's why the Bible says that we repent and we are baptized for the remission of our sins. On the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2, in verse number 37, when they asked Peter, men and brother, what shall we do? Peter said, repent and be baptized, every one of you, for the remission of sins. Acts 2, 47, God added to the church daily those who are being saved and such that should be saved. They were being baptized, and God was adding them to the church. He was adding them to the temple, adding them to the tabernacle, adding them to the ark, adding them, adding them to the body. And one day when God gets done adding, he will close it up, and he'll come back and get it. Gonna send Christ to get his his church, his glorious church, without having spot, wrinkle, or blemish, or any such thing. God added to the body, added to them, added to the church daily, those that were being saved. Why don't you come right now as we stand and as we sing the invitational song? Why don't you come and be saved? Page 909. Page 909. There's a fountain is for you. Let us say so, face to 
the fount of love from the source above, and he bids us all freely drink. Will you come to the fountain free? Will you come? Tis for you and me, thirsty soul, hear the welcome call. Tis a fountain open for all. Will you come to the fountain free? Will you come? Tis for you and me, thirsty soul. Hear the welcome call. Tis a fountain open for all. There's a living stream with a crystal gleam. From the throne of life now it flows. While the waters roll, let the weary soul hear the call that forth freely goes. Will you come to the fountain free? Will you come? Tis for you and me, thirsty soul. Hear the welcome call. Tis a fountain open for all. Will you come to the fountain free? Will you come? Tis for you and me, thirsty soul. Hear the welcome call. Tis a fountain open for all.